Welcome to the third season of Learning Bible Truth Ministries. I am the founder, host, and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. This ministry is here to teach you Bible truth. Teaching truth allows you to grow in faith and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. I sometimes read entire books in the Bible so you can know the story, not just the scripture. I also teach a series about a certain subject, so I want you to invite family and friends. Get your Bibles, grab a pen and paper so you can take notes. Now sit back, relax, and learn Bible truth. Good day, saints. Today is Saturday, October the 29th of the year 2022. I am the host, founder, and teacher of Learning Bible Truth Ministries, and I hope you and your family, your loved ones, and your friends are doing well today. I truly do. I'm praying for you. I hope you pray for me. And with that said, we will all be prayed for. Now, Today, I am sharing another episode of the late, great Dr. Frederick Casey Price teachings of this epic series called Race, Religion, and Racism. He is on the religion section, and he had been teaching this back in 1997 for, oh, it was a little over a year and eight months. That's a long time. So it was over 18 months. And um, this by far is the most listened to episode because everyone wanted to know about the genealogy of Jesus. No, he was not white, blonde hair with blue eyes. Absolutely not. And he was not black, but he had a mixture of Noah's son, Ham, in him. Ham was Noah's black son. And Frederick Casey Price a senior. Well, in, in back in 1997, he was Dr. Price. He took us through the genealogy of Jesus based on his legal father, Joseph's genealogy and Mary's genealogy, which led us all the way back to King David. Yes. So with that said, sit back Take notes. And let me share this before we move forward. In this particular episode, he is going to make some corrections that he made about uh, King Solomon. And he is going to answer a question by uh, someone who was in the audience. You won't hear that person, but the person sent him uh, a letter. And uh, it's about Mary being... um, Jesus's mother, of course, we all know that, but did Jesus inherit Mary's sinful nature? And Fred Price, he is so detail oriented. He is going to go way back in all in the scriptures and to the point where you would think he's not making any sense. He is. I, I, and, and after he make his point, which is going to take up the majority of this episode. I'm going to paraphrase. I knew exactly what he was trying to say, but he's so detail oriented. He is trying to explain um, through the scriptures uh, what, um, where Jesus got his nature from. Okay. So sit back and relax and let's listen to this Bible truth. I'm teaching on the subject of race, religion, and racism. We're in the final hours, as it were, the final stages of our study. I am in the religion section and rapidly drawing to a close. But there's still a lot of very pertinent information that I believe will be a blessing to the body of Christ and a blessing to you that are listening to me now. Uh, This subject has stirred up a lot of things around the country. And uh, there are a lot of people that have all kind of uh, mixed emotions about the series. And so after hearing the message today, you may be inspired, encouraged, or infuriated enough to write me a letter. And so the ground rules are, if you write me a letter and expect me personally, Fred Price, to read your letter, the ground rules are that you must have your full name and your return mailing address on your letter, or I will not read it. Those are the ground rules. If you want to write me a letter and you want me to get the letter and you want me to read it, 
whether positive or negative, then you must have your full name and mailing address on the letter. All right. Now, uh, we were embarking last time on some very uh, interesting and sensitive areas. One of the things that I was setting about to show you from the Word of God was the fact that Jesus the Christ, our Savior, our Lord, who has been traditionally portrayed as being white, light-colored hair, blue eyes in some cases, light brown eyes in other cases. In other words, Jesus was white, is the traditional presentation. And that presentation, of course, is from a Eurocentric point of view, which is really not biblically based. And so I was setting about to show, both for the benefit of the whites and for the benefit of blacks, because we're the primary people in America that seem to have challenges with one another. Uh, as far as color is concerned, uh, blacks have been saddled with the psychological legacy of a sense of inferiority, as we've been taught through the church, that black is inferior and white is superior. And so this teaching that we're doing now is to help set folk free, set the blacks free from psychological inferiority complex syndrome and set whites free from the myth of superiority because if we are all the creation of God and we found out from the scriptures that there's only one blood that God made all men out of one blood and there's only one kind of flesh of men. The only difference is the amount of melanin that a person has in their skin that determines whether they'll be snow white or jet black and everything in between. It's all the same thing. All human flesh is the same. All humans can intermingle, intermarry, interbreed, and they still produce only other humans. They don't produce astronauts. They don't produce Martians. Amen. And so uh, we were looking at the scripture because as I did my research on this subject, in order to try to alleviate the sense of feeling inferior and giving blacks a boost, some have gone to the other extreme and made Jesus black. Well, as I said before, I don't need a black Jesus and I don't need a white Jesus. I just need, I just need a real Jesus. And whatever his color was is fine with me I don't because I don't have a problem. And so we were looking at some things that, that impacted on that. Now... We looked at the genealogies of Jesus, or the genealogy of Jesus, recorded in the book of Matthew and in the book of Luke. We found out from Matthew's gospel that Matthew gave the genealogy of Jesus through the legal father Joseph. And we traced it back to one of King David's children that he had by the black woman Bathsheba, or Bathsheba, who was the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And we found out that the Hittites were from the seed of Ham and Canaan. So if Ham or Canaan was cursed black, then his posterity also would have to be black. Therefore, if David threw the line, or Jesus threw the line all the way back to Canaan, if there was any black in the line, then Jesus probably had some black in him. So that means he wasn't snow white without the seven dwarves. Now we trace Matthew's account from King David through his son Solomon down to Joseph, who was the legal father of Jesus, not the Bible. Saints, I don't want you to be uh, confused or misunderstand. Ham was not cursed black, okay? That's why Dr. Price kept saying if, but um, he was never cursed black. That was a myth. And I don't know why he, he made that statement without saying, hey, but he wasn't. But if you know Dr. Price and his teachings, he said that in the past. So let's resume. I just wanted to clear that up father but the legal father then we trace Luke's account of the genealogy of Jesus and it, it actually gives the the genealogy of Mary and when we trace it back all the way back again to King David 
we find that it was one of David's sons by this black woman Bathsheba or Bathsheba who was named Nathan. So God was very clever in orchestrating this whole thing so that both Joseph, even though he was not the, the biological father of Jesus, yet he was the legal father, and Mary, who was the biological mother, both of them came from King David to his son, Nathan and Solomon, and those sons were born of Bathsheba the Hittite. So, that means then, that the portrayal that we have been seeing all through our lives in terms of pictures of Jesus, which are really not pictures of Jesus because really nobody has a picture of him or a photograph of him, but, but he's always portrayed as white. Now that's got to be a great boost to the white-skinned person. You know, I mean, that, that makes you feel good. Because watch what happens when I'm, I'm getting ready to say something now. Watch what happens to your skin. Watch what happens when I make this statement. Jesus was black. Don't tell me that didn't affect you. You're trying to be cool. Let's say Jesus was black. Let's say it was my color. Now that makes black folk feel good. See, it affects you psychologically. And so Satan has used that to drive a wedge into the church between, especially in America, because we have been gifted with and privileged with the opportunity of being able to disseminate the gospel to the far ends of the world because of the way our country was structured and the way we came up as far as our government was concerned it gave us the freedom of religion so we have been really the primary purveyors of in a positive sense of the gospel to the ends of the world so the gospel has always been presented as though God were white and Jesus were white Jesus was white and so forth and so on which is really not true and I think it is important it's important for black folk and it's important for white folks. Now, I have to always say this because we have visitors all the time. I'm a very direct person and if you're not careful, you get your feelings hurt. I don't mean anything by using the term white folks or black folks or anything like that. Nothing's personal in it. It's just the way people talk. And so I like to talk the way y'all talk out there on the street, see? So you can relate to me. You know, I wonder what he's saying. I bet you understood what I said, huh? Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know. He don't speak too clearly. Ah, what does he mean? You know what I mean. All right, let's look at some. Turn to the Song of Solomon, chapter 1. Because that's the area in which we left off last time. And we have some very, very interesting observations that we're going to make. Mm -hmm. Song of Solomon, chapter 1. Now, I think, because I don't have the, I didn't get a chance to listen to the tape of two weeks ago. I know you can help me. I believe, or let me say it this way, I don't believe. I think, I think I said two weeks ago. I didn't say it last time, I know that because I had the tape in my possession, the video, and I was able to preview it because I do that every week just so I can find out where I left off. But I, I think I may have said in the previous session before that, two weeks ago, from the first chapter of the Song of Solomon, chapter 1 and verse 5, where it says, I am dark. Well, in the New King James it says dark, but in the traditional King James it says, I am black and comely. And I think I said that that was talking about Solomon. Now, did anybody remember whether I said that or not? I said it was Solomon. How many, of you, how many of you have ever read this or heard it and heard that from this statement in this fifth verse, I am black and comely, says dark and, lo- dark and uh, lovely in the New King James, thought that that was talking about Solomon. Yeah, well... I did too, and uh, so I got to clean up my act. Now, I've told you all the way along, all the way through 25 years of ministry, I told you I wasn't perfect. And uh, if I think I'm right, I'll go whole hog. I don't soft pedal it, I'll go the whole route. And when I find out I'm wrong, I'll go the whole route and let you know I messed up. 
But uh, uh, somebody raised a question with me after the service last week that really wasn't about that particular verse. It was another verse. But it, it caused me to go back and do some real, real, real careful, insightful reading of that. And I had always thought that that was talking about Solomon. But it's not. This is sort of a, kind of like a, almost like a play, as it were. And there are three primary uh, actors in it. The daughters of Jerusalem, the Shulamite woman, and Solomon. And as you read it, because if you read it, it says Song of Solomon, I'm thinking in my mind that this is Solomon talking. But I have, you have to go back into it and dissect it and find out it's not Solomon. Let, let's look at it. Verse 5. It says, I am dark but lovely in the New King James. In the um, traditional it says, I am black but lovely. Or calmly rather. Now watch this. Let's read it carefully. Verse 5. I am dark but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. Do not look upon me because I am dark, or as it says in the King James, black, because the sun has tanned me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Now, this is the Shulamite woman. But she was black. Because she says so. I am Dark but lovely, the New King James says. They don't want to say black, apparently. Because if you go over to the fifth chapter, look at verse chapter 5, verse 11. And this is what I was talking about last time as we closed and somebody pointed out another verse. Well, I wasn't dealing with that verse at the time. What I was attempting to do was to show that how these Bible writers sometimes will try to play down the original, to suit their own preconceived ethnic and theological and denominational points of view. Mm-hmm. See, notice it says, in, if you go, keep your finger on the fifth chapter, flip back to chapter one. It said, I am dark but lovely. You see that? Now, in the fifth chapter, in the 11th verse, it says, his head is like the finest gold. Now, when it says his head then that's a woman talking. That's the Shulamite talking about her lover. His head. Not my head. His head. So this is the woman talking about Solomon. Now, notice it says, verse 11, his head is like the finest gold. His locks are wavy and black as a raven. Because you, a raven... Well, at least to my knowledge, I have never seen anything but black ravens. And I mean, they be jet black. I mean, they be shiny black. And so they couldn't get away with changing that. But do you know that the word dark in verse 5 in chapter 1 and the word black in verse 11 in chapter 5 are the same Hebrew words. So I don't understand why you didn't say that woman was black instead of saying she was dark. You didn't get that. See, in chapter 1, verse 5, it said, I am dark but lovely. Now that Hebrew word that's translated into the English as dark is the very identical same Hebrew word that's translated in the fifth chapter, verse 11, as black as a raven. Now, I don't understand if it's the same word, why would you call it dark in one place and black somewhere else? Why didn't you call both of them dark or both of them black? Because the word in the Hebrew means black. In fact, In fact, it means swarthy black. You know what swarthy means? Okay. So 
it goes to show you how they would try to skew the deck, if you would. I said that before. Both of these should be black. So the woman was black. So it would seem natural that a black woman would be attracted to a black man, that a black man would be attracted to a black woman. I mean, that, you know, that would just be the normal course. I mean, it, you could be tra attracted to anybody else, too. But uh, it seems to fit right in, especially since Solomon was the son of King David through Bathsheba or Bathsheba, who was the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now, somebody pointed out to me last week, I know who it was, <laughs> somebody pointed out to me they mentioned verse 10 of the 5th chapter look at it it says my beloved is white and ruddy chief among 10,000 again this is the Shulamite woman talking about her lover so now it would seem that what I have said about Solomon being black certainly having black in him that it would seem to disprove that by the statement, my beloved is white. Well, believe it or not, the word white in that verse is not referring to the color of the skin. Saints, pay very careful attention to this section and you will see how some of the scholars try to trick you with the words. If you don't know the original text, the original Hebrew and Greek and Latin and Arabic, you'll get, let me tell you, you can be deceived. That's why I'm very careful about the version of the Bibles that I use. But watch how Fred Price meticulously tear this apart because the word white should not be there, but it is not referring to color. Watch, listen. Now, you, you can figure this out because the word ruddy is color. Now, you can't be white and ruddy. You know what I mean? You can't be yellow and red. I mean, you one or the other. But this word is a very interesting word. And to show you how the, the translators did it, we want to look at what Strong's Concordance tells us about this word, this Hebrew word, that's translated in your King James Version of the Bible as white. And also notice that the white comes first before the ruddy. Now, who translated this, black folk or white folk? Isn't it interesting, white and ruddy? Now, uh, this word white really is not, it's not really translated as fully as it could be to really give us the, the real meaning of it. But the word doesn't mean color. It's not talking about color. Well, let me give you the definition first, and then I'll give you an illustration of it. The word is trans, this Hebrew word is translated, is found in the Strong's Concordance. So if you want to look this up, it's 6703 in the Hebrew section of the concordance. And it's the word T, T like in Tom, T-S-A-C-H. And it's also spelled T-S-A-K-H. And it originates from another root, 1605 in Strong. And it literally means dazzling. In other words, sunny and bright, figuratively speaking. So uh, haven't you ever, and I'll give you an illustration, have you ever, have you ever uh, seen or heard somebody say this, uh, my, 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 that's a bright young man. Come on, anybody ever hear that? And you ain't talking about him being white. You're talking figuratively. Intelligence. He's intelligent, he's effervescent, he's, you know, you're not talking about his color. Oh, he's bright, bright young man. We use those terminologies, figures of speech. And that's exactly what that is. Solomon to this woman was dazzling. Like yours truly. <laughs> this is my best eye. 
dazzling, sunny, bright. Not talking about color. Now, it's interesting, interesting that several translations of the Bible treat this word white differently than the King James Version or the New King James. Case in point, New International, the New International Bible. These same two words that we see in our King James white and ruddy, the New International says radiant and ruddy. Which is now, correct. would radiant be talking about somebody's skin color? Nope. No. Talking about the fact that they, you know, they're, they're just, they're such a wonderful person that they just radiate, you know, they're just, they're just radiant, dazzling, you know. But that's the way the New International Version translates, radiant and ruddy. The New American Standard Bible translated, translates those same two words, dazzling and ruddy. The Amplified Bible translates it fair and ruddy. The Holy Spirit Encounter Bible translates it like it ought to be translated. And they translate it, my lover is dark and dazzling. Now, the others didn't want to say it like that. But that word white in your King James Version of the Bible is not talking about white skin. It's not talking about skin color. It's talking about personality traits, talking about the effervescence of the person. The woman was, her, she was describing her lover. He's dazzling. He's dazzling. Dazzling. So that's what that means. So I think it still gives us, between Solomon and the Shulamite, the fact, without question, the woman was black. All right. Now, I, uh, I hope that helps to clarify that. All right. I received a note last time after the service. And I, I really like these kinds of things because it lets me know people are listening while others are sleeping. But, but <laughs> some are listening. Because I know some of you, you, you guys are so slick, you've learned how to sleep with your eyes open. <laughs> but I can, tell, I, can, I can tell by the way that you cock your head. There's a little certain thing that gives you away. I know you, you I see your eyes are open, but you really sleep. <laughs> now, I received this note and the reason I want to use it is because there may be others that are thinking the same thing. And I, I'm attempting in my teaching to be as clear as I possibly can, you know, and, you, you, you know, being imperfect, you don't always reach your goal in every aspect. But getting feedback from people lets me know that I need to um, amplify. Now, first of all is, and I don't mean to put the person on the spot, so don't put them on camera if they are here, but... I want to be sure this person because they're the one that wrote this. Well, let me let me read it. Pastor Price, I have a question about Jesus having black blood in him. I understand that Joseph is the legal father of Jesus and didn't impregnate Mary. I also understand that Jesus didn't receive Joseph's sinful nature. But what about Mary? Wouldn't Mary's sinful nature be placed in Jesus since she was used to bring Jesus into the world? Did God use Mary's egg to bring Jesus in? If God didn't use Mary's egg and just place Jesus inside Mary's womb, then how can Jesus be related to David, Solomon, etc.? Help, please. Paula Dunbar. I think that's Paula. Okay. Okay, did I do it? Did I read it right? Excellent. Good. So she's here. All right, that's, that's a good question. There may be others that wondered about that. Well, because see, all of this is important, and the gainsayers will do everything they can to try to denude what I have said about the black. You know, they'll do everything to maintain the status quo. And so they'll try to come in, perhaps, and shoot at it from this point of view that the young lady is giving. Now, she's just asking a question. 
She's not challenging as such. She's asking a question. It's a very legitimate question. And I think it's worth our answering so that you can understand. Because, see, this thing is so deeply entrenched in the church, particularly in the white segment of the church. And please, again, don't take it personally, but I have to use that phraseology so that we can delineate what, what we're talking about. These are just simply facts. It's not intended to be a, a shooting at someone, but just to simply bring out the fact so that we can find the truth and be able to walk in the light of it. Now, let me see how I want to do this. All right. Uh, let me go back and read it. I have a question about Jesus having black blood in him. I understand that Joseph is the legal father of Jesus and didn't impregnate Mary. Correct. I also understand that Jesus didn't receive Joseph's sin nature, but what about Mary? All right. I'm going to take a chance now and assume something, and you can just nod or say if it's not true. Because a lot of people, I think, have the same idea. They have the idea that the sin nature is transmitted in the blood. Yeah. Well, see, it's not. Sin is not transmitted, or, uh, yeah, it's not transmitted in the blood. Remember, sin is a spiritual problem, not physical. Blood is physical, not spiritual. Sin has to do with the spiritual situation. And it has to do with your spirit person, the real you, in other words, that lives inside of the physical body. So, Mary, that's exactly why God had to circumvent the normal procedure of male, human male, human female, because it's not until a male and a female come together that the spirit of that coming together is released from heaven to take up residence in that new human. Okay, did you get that? Now let me, let me say that again. That is very important to understand the, the overall. You've got to understand the parts. The whole is composed of the parts. If you don't understand the parts, forget the whole, right? All right, listen again. When a male and female Man and woman come together. The male sperm fertilizes the female egg. Conception takes place. A new life is birthed, as it were. Not the full nine-month birth, but you know what I mean. A new life is, is, is started, right? Now, when that male and female come together, the spirit of that male and female combination comes from God. Where do you think Spirits originate. They're not in the blood. They're not transmitted genetically. Spirits come from God. And so there is no spirit. There's no place for a spirit to inhabit until a male and a female come together. Now, because of what Adam did in the beginning... All of his children inherited his sin nature, which simply means spiritually they're cut off from God. Once they reach the age of accountability, and that's not a chronological age, it's, it's a different age for different people. They used to say when I was in the Baptist church, and I don't mean this against Baptists, please believe me, but it's where I first heard it, that the age of accountability was 12 years old. And I believe that they got that from the fact that Jesus, when he was 12 years old, went to the temple in Jerusalem. Okay? But a whole lot of folk are more are mature before they get 12. And so there is no spirit, there's no place for a spirit to inhabit until a male and a female come together. Now, because of what Adam did in the beginning, all of his children inherited his sin nature, which simply means spiritually they're cut off from God. 
once they reach the age of accountability. And that's not a chronological age. It's, it's a different age for different people. They used to say when I was in the Baptist church, and I don't mean this against Baptists, please believe me, but it's where I first heard it, that the age of accountability was 12 years old. And I believe that they got that from the fact that Jesus, when he was 12 years old, went to the temple in Jerusalem. Okay, but a whole lot of folk are more are mature before they get 12. Oh, yeah. I know some smart for you. <clears throat> and a whole lot of them ain't mature when they get 20. Okay. <laughs> All right, now watch this. So God had to bypass Joseph because if Jesus were the product of Joseph and Mary, then that spirit that came from God would also be cut off, legally speaking, from God, and then Jesus would be in need of a Savior himself. So God had to supernaturally impregnate Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, there was no sin nature transferred to the embryo, to the new fetus, to the new child, to the baby. Now, let me give it to you in another way, and you'll easily be able to see this by me asking you a couple of questions. My first question is this. Well, wait a minute. I've got so much here. Let, let me, let me, let me, how, how am I want to do this? You really didn't need all of that. All right, let, let me start here. Let me go back and, clar and, and clarify the sin nature. I have a question for you. Where do babies come from? Uh, when I say babies now, I mean the spirit of a baby. Where, where would that spirit come from? Now, there's a verse in the Bible, Romans, that says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Where is that? Romans 6? Is it 623? Or? 23. No, it's Romans. One of it's one. 323. What is it, Romans? 323. All right. 323. Now, you have to understand Romans 323. Let me, let, 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 let me find this. Let me find this. Uh, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All right, now think about this. If all have sinned, how much is left out of all? Now I just ask you a question, and I ask you where do babies come from? In other words, the spirit of a newborn or a new created life in the sense of the sperm and the egg creating a new life when those two come together, then the spirit comes into that. And I ask you, where do spirits come from? They'd have to come from God, wouldn't they? Now, if all have sinned, then that means that that little innocent baby is a sinner. Wouldn't it? If all have sinned. Well, that couldn't be true because then that would mean that heaven is populated with sinful spirits awaiting a physical body to enter the three-dimensional world. That won't fly, right? All right. Now, here's what you have to understand. You have to understand when it says, all have sinned, that statement has to be qualified. All have sinned from the standpoint of the fact that Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden and because he was a representative individual and acted on behalf of the entire human race, then as a result of the fact that all of us are from Adam originally, then all have sinned in the fact that Adam has sinned. But all have not sinned in the sense of acting or committing sin because if so then that means babies the spirits of a baby that come directly from God has to come as a sinner that can't be true because God can't have any sin in heaven 
Well, how do we reconcile it? How we how do we how do we deal with that? Oh. Well, Saints, let me interject here because in uh, the Psalm of David, uh, 51, if I'm not mistaken, um, David says, depending on which version you have, um, we are born or he was born in sin and shaping in iniquity. We all are born in sin and we are shaping in iniquity. I'm not sure why Fred Price didn't take that simple route, but like I said before, he is very detail oriented and sometimes that can confuse people. But I know exactly where he's going. I know exactly what he's talking about. However, I think he's taking the wrong route with this one because we are born in sin. There's no, no mistaking about that because of the sinful nature of our mothers and fathers. And we are shaping in iniquity. And I think I need to clarify something right here so I won't have to clarify it at the end of this message. Is because once a baby is born, of course, a baby is not a sinner when he's born. But he's born into this sinful world. The laws are in place to tell us what's right or wrong. So as your child grows and you tell your child not to do a certain thing and they do it, let's say when they are two years old. No, we don't think they are understanding. Then they're two years old and they do it. You can't count that against them. But once that child is three or four and they wait until you leave the room to do it, it is obvious that that child knows the difference between right and wrong based on what you told them. That child has become a sinner and at the age of four is cut off from God. Some kids are smarter than others. Some grow maturely uh, faster than others. So there is no set age. It's when your child begin to know the difference of right or wrong, they are sinners. So that's where that statement from the apostle Paul comes in at all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So let, let me um, resume. I just thought I'd clear that up because I don't feel like clearing it up after this is over. Turn to Romans chapter seven. Let me show you how. All of this is tied together. We get back to Mary. And get back to Joseph and get back to Jesus, but I gotta, it is, it, I gotta, we gotta follow this, um, this champ, this, uh, search stream. That's what I'm trying to say. All right, Romans chapter 7. I, okay, let me go back again. Where do babies come from? In other words, the spirit. Where do, where do spirits originate? It has to originate with God because he's the creator, right? Well, if all have sinned by virtue of acts of transgression or sin, then that would mean that babies come here as sinners. That can't be right. Because then that means that those spirits in heaven are waiting to enter bodies. They would have to be sinners. Well, that can't be true because... God can't look upon sin, so he couldn't have any sinful spirits hanging around heaven. All right, how do we reconcile this? Remember I mentioned a moment ago about the age of accountability? Remember I said it wasn't a chronological age, even though some have tried to attach an age to it. Now watch this, you be, you got to be, take your right finger and put it on the end of your nose and look at it with both your eyes. Come on, I know it's going to be difficult for some of you to do, but just, but just do it. Look at it. I want to be sure you're awake because you got you really got to be awake to get this. Okay. All right. Okay. No, no, you got to be awake. Watch this now. Uh, Romans chapter, what did I say? Seven? All right, now watch this. It'll all come clear to you in a minute. Verse seven. Paul is speaking. He says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. Now pick up on this now. He said, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Verse 9, I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was to bring life, I found to bring death. 
for sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it killed me. Therefore the law is holy, the commandment holy, just, holy and just and good. Go back to verse 9. Now this is the key verse. Paul says, I was alive once. All right. When was he alive? I mean, he said he was alive once. I want to know when that once was. All right, watch this. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. But now, wait a minute. How could he die, and he's the one writing the letter? How can a dead man write? So he would have to be alive if he's writing the letter. So he couldn't have been talking then about physically dying. He had to be talking about spiritually dying. Because that's the only other death there is. That we know of based upon what the scriptures give us. The watches, I was alive once without the law. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Every baby that comes into this world, comes into this world sinless. That's why you don't have to worry if, a, if you had an infant that died or you had a stillborn child. I'm not talking about some ones that were thrown in the trash can. I'm talking about if, if you went full term or whatever and, 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 and something happened and your baby was stillborn, that baby went to heaven, went right back. Don't, don't even be concerned. Had to because it never did anything. It never sinned. Because spirits come from God and there's no sin in God, so God couldn't be manufacturing spirits. In other words, however he does it, he's the creator, I don't know. That's why you but however he creates spirits, he couldn't create them with sin in them. So when a baby comes here, then that baby is sinless until the law comes. Get it now, you got to get this, this is spiritual. I was alive once without the law. All right, let me go back and read this again, verse 7. What should we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetous unless the law had said you shall not covet. That's why God gave Israel the law. You can't hold a person accountable for something you didn't tell them they're not supposed to do. It wouldn't be fair. And God is a fair God. So he could not hold the human race accountable for sin until he gave them a law and said don't do this. Once they did that, then they broke the law. Now he can hold them accountable. That's why he brought the law in so that sin could be seen as sin. Otherwise, there is no such thing as sin. It's only sin when you say you can't do that and then you do it, you've sinned. In other words, you violated the law. Are you following me? All right, now watch this. Verse 8, but sin taking opportunity by the commandment produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. See, without a law, can't be no sin. Can't judge somebody for something that's not on the books. I mean, not, not legally. You can't arrest somebody and, 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 and arrest them on a charge when there's no law that they violated. There's no known law, in other words. That's why they have statute, statutory law, so they can hold you accountable. If they don't have a speed limit, you drive 200 miles an hour. You might be driving... Uh, in a situation where it might be dangerous to other people, but you cannot be breaking a speed limit unless there's one posted. Okay. Amen. Not even technically. I'm being very technical now. In other words, that's why they have laws on the book, so that they can hold you, the court and the judge and whatever can hold you accountable for law. If, you don't, if there is no law, then how are you going to be held accountable? All right, now watch this. Verse 9 again. I was alive once without the law. That was when he was a baby. That's when he was a little infant, a child. He didn't know the law. He's just a little one doing whatever was natural was no problem then when he grew up and became accountable and that age of accountability is different with different people because everybody's some people are smarter than other people some people they know exactly what's going on at seven years old they don't have to wait to get 12 years old they are plenty smart at seven and some are plenty dumb at 13. that's just a fact so it's whenever you come to know that you know that you know the difference between right and wrong, that's when you die spiritually. From that point on, now you're going to be held accountable for what you do with what you know in reference to laws. Whether they're household laws, parental laws, statutory law, God's law, laws of nature, you're going to be held accountable in the sight of God. Are you, are you still following me? I mean, it's deep. Come on, y'all wake. All right. Now, Paul said, I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Okay? All right. So now, 
when babies come, babies don't come here with a sin nature. A predisposition to sin because they come directly from God. Now when the law comes or the commandment comes, then they become accountable. They die spiritually. Now they're accountable for their own actions. Okay? Now, when all Jesus received from Mary, when I say all, Jesus needed to enter because he was a spirit. He is a, is a spirit. He had, the only way he could enter this physical three-dimensional world is through a body because he had to die and only bodies die. Spirits don't die. So he had to have a body so that he could die to take away the sin of the world. So, but he had to have a body that didn't have a sin, a spirit in it, that was cut off from God. Now, let me carry it a step further. Ask you another question. You'll be able to see this. Well, let me, let me, let me, I got some, let me, let me go back here. All right. I have a question about Jesus having black blood in him. In, uh, I understand that Joseph is the legal father of Jesus. Uh, the legal father. If Jesus, the legal father of Jesus, and didn't impregnate Mary. I also understand that Jesus didn't receive Joseph's sin nature. But what about Mary? Mary didn't have one. Because she didn't have another man. She didn't have a human like herself to come together with the sperm and the egg to allow another spirit to come. So therefore, you can't impute sin because there's no nature there because you don't have an earthly father with a sinful nature. Okay? So, uh, but what about Mary? Mary, what nothing Mary could do, just like there's nothing a woman can do without a male sperm to get pregnant. She can't have a baby. I mean, even if it's artificial insemination, it's some male sperm, isn't it? I mean, she can't just get pregnant, can she? Can y'all? Can y'all? Maybe y'all know something I don't know. No, it takes a sperm and an egg, right? All right, watch this now. Wouldn't Mary's sinful nature be placed in Jesus? No, because she didn't. She couldn't because she, she was not. The, the seed that was planted in her was not from Joseph, so there was no possibility. Now, you can better understand this by me asking you another question. Where did Adam get his genetic material? He didn't have a mother and he didn't have a father, so he couldn't inherit anything. Where, where did he get his genetic makeup? God? How could God do that? In fact, Adam was never a baby. He came here fully grown. Didn't he? I mean, that's according to the Bible. He was a, an adult male. Where did he get his genetic material since he didn't have a mother or father to be able to inherit it genetically? God had to put it in him when he created him. I mean, God would have to know more about genetics than man since he created man. Now watch this. If that's true, the Bible tells us that Adam needed to help me. And so God brought all the animals and Adam named all the animals, but there was no help meat found for Adam. So then God said, it's not good for man to be alone. So he put Adam to sleep. And the Bible says it took out a rib. Now that word rib means curve. It's like, it doesn't mean seed, it means curve. Now the point is, since Adam didn't have a mother and a father to inherit any genetic material from, then any genetic material that he had in him had to have been put in there by God when God created him. But wait a minute. God put Adam to sleep and took a rib. A rib, which is a bone, in my understanding, and made a woman. Now where did she get her genetic material? Excuse me. Where did she get her genetic material? She didn't have a mother. Excuse me? Huh? What'd you say? Huh? 
right. Well, so, oh, oh, so we're all willing to we're all willing to accept the idea that that Almighty God could put genetic coding into Adam when He created him, and that God also, by virtue of His creative power, could take a rib out of a man without the aid of a woman and make that woman and she have genetic coding in her, so that when Adam and Eve came together and had a child, then both that the child from that union would have would, would receive 50% of his genetic material from the father Adam and 50% of his genetic material from the mother Eve. Did I say that right, doctors? Where's Dr. Wood? Did I say that right? Okay. But we're, we're willing to accept that, right? Well, then why do we got a problem with God being able to put a seed inside of Mary and create the genetic coding that Jesus would have needed? Because he, she could, he could only get 50, either he only got 50% from Mary or he got 100% from Mary. And if that's the case, we now say. Or God put the other 50% in there. Come on. All right, you still awake? Okay. Okay, is that, did that help you? All right, now watch this now. Now watch this. Wouldn't Mary's sinful nature be placed in Jesus? No. Uh, did God use Mary's egg to bring Jesus in? If God didn't use Mary's egg and just place Jesus inside of Mary's womb, then how can Jesus be related to King, uh, be related to David? All right. Now, let's look at the scripture and find out how Jesus could be related to David. Now, let me say this before we run out of time. Somebody said last week, and I listened to the tape last week, I don't think I said it the week before, but somebody said that I said that Jesus got all of, that Jesus got his blood from Mary. Mm -hmm. Mary didn't have holy blood. He didn't well, what I said, I went back and listened. What I said was, Jesus inherited his blood from Mary. That's the word I use. Well, that statement is both true and untrue, unless I qualify it. Because you could be thinking, and I, because a nurse, a former nurse, a person that worked with blood, came to me this past week to tell me that that wasn't, you know, that that wasn't correct. She wanted me to be correct. Well, I appreciate that. I check out on everything. I don't know everything. I'm learning still. And so I wanted to check it out. But I didn't, see, when I said what I said, I didn't mean what she thought I meant by what she thought she heard me say. Now, and I'll get a chance to hopefully talk to her this week and ask her about this. I think she probably meant what, what she probably thought that what I was saying, that while Jesus was inside of Mary, Mary's blood supply went from Mary into Jesus. I think that's what she might have been thinking I meant by that statement. No, if I understand it correctly, the fetus produces its own blood through the bone marrow. The blood of the mother doesn't go into the veins of the fetus and the fetus takes the blood of the mother and that's the fetus's blood forever. No. Are you following me? So in that sense, no. But, but the baby or the fetus does inherit genetically Whatever the blood of the father and the blood of the mother is, that's what the baby will get in its genetic makeup or genetic material. Is that correct? The flesh. It's a combination of the father, 50%, and the mother, 50%. Okay? So, so Jesus, just like any other fetus, his own body, his own Marrow or bone development would begin to manufacture blood and start producing his own blood, but he would be a combination of the seed from God and a combination of Mary. Okay, did I? Okay. All right, now. Y'all didn't know I was a, y'all didn't know I was a doctor, huh? But I tell you what, don't you dare let me operate on you because you're going to sure enough die. Okay. Ay, 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 ay. Now, okay, I think I got everything. All right, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Because the young lady asked the question, then how could Jesus have, in, had, how could he have inherited? Well, he did. He inherited, he inherited 50% of his genetic material from Mary. 
And since Mary's line went all the way back to Nathan, through David, through Bathsheba, then whatever that genetic material was would have to be transferred through all of the line all the way down to the last person in the line. So if there was any black blood or any black genetics in any of those people between David and Jesus, he got some of it. He would have to. All right. Now, how, how can Jesus be the son of David? I don't know other than what I just explained to you, but let's let, let's, let's let the Bible speak and we'll see what, what it says. Look at Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Now, God said he's the son of David. Uh, excuse me. I said, what? Let's read it again. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. God said he's the son of David. All right, go to Luke chapter 1. You getting anything out of this? Oh, boy. Ay, 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 ay. Chapter 1 of Luke, verse... 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. So God called Jesus' father, David, from an earthly genetic point of view. And I'm out of time. Well, saints, that was the end of that. I thought that uh, Fred Price could have uh, simplified it, but that's him. That's the way he teaches. He goes far and beyond to where he confuses some. And there are some things I did not agree with in terms of a baby being stillborn. Him saying that the spirit goes back to God. Well, here's the thing. If the baby was born dead, there was no spirit ever in him. And like he admits, he doesn't know everything, but uh, I take the simple route because as teachers, which the body of Christ need desperately today, our job is to not complicate it. It is to explain it from uh, scriptures, let it be scripturally based. And it is the Holy Spirit's job to reveal the truth of those scriptures to you as the teacher shares the scriptures without complicating them. So I think, uh, and bless him. I love him dearly. Fred Price taught me a lot. Um, I thought that he overtaught it to where it confused people. He is very detail oriented and there's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to the scriptures, you have to let the Holy spirit do its job. And if we as teachers go overboard with trying to explain something over and over and over again, it confuses some. And uh, the end result is the person won't understand what you say. But I am sure that you got the truth out of this. Uh, what Jesus got from Mary was her flesh. Uh-huh. And her flesh leads all the way back to David. So Mary was not white either with blue eyes and blonde, and, and blonde hair. And neither was Joseph. So when God made sure that Joseph line led all the way back to David as well. And when God told Joseph to take Mary and the baby down to Egypt, see the Egyptians were black. They fit in there. Now I'm not saying they were the color of attire, but what I'm saying is they were people of color. They were not white like, uh, well, European white, like all the pictures are portraying today of G that's not Jesus. And it's not Jesus with black skin and an Afro. No, Jesus was of color. He represented all ethnicities, but he definitely was not white. So with that said, saints, I will pick up where we left off um, from this episode. I will pick up next week. So until then, peace out.
hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this message, you can contact us by emailing talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. If you would like to sow a seed in this growing ministry, you may access the front page on the podcast you are listening to and click on the support button. Or you can cash out the ministry at dollar sign Dr. Kamala D. That is at dollar sign capital D lowercase r capital C lowercase a m a l e capital D and donate any amount. And remember, God loves a cheerful giver, and so do we. So until next time, believers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, not the word of man. We walk by faith and not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D., serving you with Christ Jesus, our Lord, in peace and love. I thank each of you for tuning in, and I hope to hear from you soon. Peace out. Help along the way, yeah. Been through the storm, but here I'm still standing.